welcome to episode 2 of the Ladyboy Life podcast. My name is William and today I am going to be talking with Marshawn Ruiz, who is a certified Zumba instructor here in Bangkok. We are really happy that we got the chance to have Marshawn as a guest on one of our first podcast episodes, as she was, I believe, the very first Ladyboy to submit an article to our website, which was actually a couple of years ago. She wrote to us about her life and we thought, you know, this would make for a good podcast interview. Well, here we are two years later, and we finally have our podcast up and running, and Marshawn was nice enough to take time out of her busy schedule and sit down with us. Now, I have to warn you that the interview was conducted in a cafe, so there is some background noise, but we hope it won't detract from what we feel is a very enlightening, entertaining, and inspiring interview. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Marshawn. Well, first of all, thank you for taking the time to talk to me after your Zumba class. You have classes all over Bangkok now, right? It seems like you're teaching every day. Yes, every day. Actually, I work during the day from 9 o'clock to 6. But of course, um, dancing is my passion. So I found this dance a, a year ago. I started doing Zumba a year ago. Actually, I was just like a student before. And then one instructor from Guatemala, and she convinced me to become an instructor. And then so I tried, and that's where it started. Yeah, I think when I met you a couple years ago, you were working at the language school. Yeah. And then... That was before you got certified, I suppose, yes. right? So you got certified somewhere in... April 2015. 2015, yeah. yeah. So you stopped working at the language school and then you started doing Zumba? or No, I'm still working still there. Still doing that? Yeah. So you got a busy work schedule. Very busy. So mm-hmm. every day working in the office as the accounting support... And then after my work, I teach dance, Zumba fitness from 6.15 to 7.15, different fitness station. And then on the weekends, you go to different locations? Yes, on the weekend, Saturn, and just for one hour. So the rest of the day, I'm free. And then Sunday also, one hour, and I'm free after. So it's a busy, very busy week. (laughs) Yeah, but it's going well. Yes. And you're happy. Very happy. I love doing both. Like, I know it's kind of a boring working in the office, but, you know, that's my profession that I finished also in my university. So I love doing the counting thing. And at the same time, I love to dance. Uh, teaching dance is, like, very rewarding to me. Every time you see your students, that they've learned so many things from me. Well, I don't know too much about Zumba, so maybe you can explain it. Give me a little history lesson on what Zumba is exactly. Oh, yeah. I know. Like, there's a lot of people, like, especially my students, like, what is Zumba? They keep asking me, you know, especially in the office, like, what kind, what is Zumba? So, well, well, for everybody who doesn't know what is really Zumba, so it's a fitness dance, um, originated, uh, Colombia. Yeah, it's a mix with Latin and international dance, like merengue, cumbia, what else? 
the hip hop scene in South America. Hey, I always thought Zumba was Brazilian, but you're saying it's Colombia. Yeah, the founder of Zumba, his name is Beto Perez. Yeah, he's from Colombia. Okay. And he popularized this music like the merengue. Yeah, and then mix with other international music. So it can be like Bollywood and hip hop, everything. But mixed with the fitness. So it's very popular now. So you have a background in dance? You danced? Oh, yeah. Um, before I started the Zumba, this is different from me because I used to, when I was in university, I was a member of a theater for arts. I travel around the world. Uh, I've been to Russia, to Korea, Japan, and I was a choreographer also. Okay. So, but this Zumba is so different for me because the Zumba fitness, you know, when you're a choreographer, you, you keep talking and, you know, like when you instruct something or to your student, you have to say, you know, you have to count verbally. But the Zumba, all you have to do is just, you use your hand gestures when you instruct your students. It's so different. And you just want the, your students to listen to the music, enjoy the music, and, you know, the steps, and enjoy Latin music. So where was this? You were, it was part of a dance troupe that you were a choreographer for? Yes, it's part of the group, yeah. And they were based where? Philippines, Philippines. Yeah. and traveled all around the world. Yeah, it sounds we like. traveled. Yeah. Wow, that's great. So let's talk a little bit about where you grew up in the Philippines. Where, okay. where, whereabouts in the Philippines did you grow up? Well, I grew up in uh, the central part of the Philippines, which is Cebu City. Ah. Yeah, it's a small island, a beautiful island, <laughs> I must say. Yeah, I've been there. It's, it's very nice. And were you right in the city then or outside the city? Um, I'm center in the city. Wow, okay. Yeah. So you're a city girl. Yes, but when uh, I finished my high school in the countryside of Cebu because during my high school days, my mom asked me because I really love, I really love to study outside the city. I don't like the city, you know, the life of the city. So I was four siblings. I was the only one who decided to study in the far from the city. Mm-hmm. It's like two, two to three hours. So I travel city to the countryside every day just to get to the, you know, my high school. So yeah. you stayed at home, but then you traveled to go to school every day, yes. back and forth. Yes. And that was for high school or university? High school. And then for university? University, I decided to go and stay close the by. City, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, because ever since, like when I was in high school, I, I already have the the passion and you know in dancing, and I started like choreographing, like you know teaching dance with just the kids until I develop it and then when I was in university then it started I was in the theater and then our director like Martian can you teach us how to dance like you know it was just small things and then it become bigger and bigger and then I choreograph all you know like all the dance that we had then, but then in, uni- in the university you didn't take dance classes you were doing accounting no. or when I was in university of course I I was 
studying banking and finance or you know accounting at the same time i was a member of uh, this theater so it was really difficult because i was a scholar just to finish my study i have to join this theater in order for me to you know to get a free station fee gotcha <laughs> because you know i grew up in a very poor family and the only thing that i can help me finish my university is to join this theater and you know get a free tuition well, that's great you got a free pass to yes. for your dancing yeah like you're you're studying and then after you study then you have to stay in the school until nine in the evening you know practice after university did you work in the philippines or what uh... no, after my university in cebu um two days after my graduation i decided to go to manila which is the center the the, the capital city of the philippines so two days after and then i was like started to look you know job there my profession but it was so difficult because growing in manila if you're a transsexual it was really difficult to find a job especially in the office you know back then it was it was difficult for me to find a job especially 2000 no no that was 1999 2000 back then they're very um how do you say that like especially in the office they don't accept lady boys or transsexual so i was like oh what i'm gonna do i i was the breadwinner i don't have you know anything to support my family so i was like i have a talent so if i can't find a job in the office so i think i'm i'm gonna look for a job that is you know that i can also use you know my dance my talent so i got a job um teaching ballet i didn't have any background about ballet but i'm i don't know i was just so clever that time that before i before i got a job i started and i bought a lot of books about ballet i read all the books and that time there was no i didn't know how to use computer before like youtube or everything i just bought a lot of ballet you know like dvd things like that and i practice and practice and practice and then i applied and then they thought i'm professional <laughs> and then you know i lied a lot like ah, i'm a professional ballet dancer in the cebu and i was like and and they were like wow and then and then they asked me to to do a demonstration of my dance like that because i said i'm not i don't do only ballet i do a lot of dances like can you dance can you dance this but all of the all all of those <laughs> it was just you know like i started <laughs> all of the moves and then i got a job and that was the first you know job i got in the philippines like teaching dance teaching ballet like basic ballet not the difficult ones but just the basic ballet and jazz so it started there for five years of teaching basic ballet jazz ballroom dancing i didn't have a formal training about dancing but 
I love to like research and <laughs> that's it. It started there. So <laughs> it was fun though. <laughs> and how long did you teach ballet in Manila? Um, from 2000 to 2003. That was like yeah, three years and a half, something like that. And then after that, um, a friend of mine convinced me to audition to Japan as a choreographer. So I auditioned for, you know, choreograph- choreographer in Japan. And then luckily I got the, the position. So 2004, I flew to Japan and yeah, I became a dance choreographer there. And there was a very big competition in Japan for all Filipino choreographers. And I won. Like, yeah, so the prize really helped me a lot, you know, send it to my family. That's, it was a good experience for two years in Japan. And then after that, back to the Philippines. Yeah. Um, that time, there was a problem with the government because... Our president that time doesn't, she, like, you know, Gloria Arroyo, the first lady, no, the second lady president. She doesn't want, like, um, she thought Filipinos who goes to Japan, they were just, like, doing the prostitution and escorting thing. So she stopped all the... Filipino, overseas Filipino workers, performing artists to Japan. So I was one of the performer who, you know, went back home because she stopped the recruitment for, yeah, so for one year I didn't have any job in the Philippines. So I was just teaching and teaching dance like Christmas the company hired me for like a Christmas activity. So, and then if there's a school activity, I, you know, they hired me for teaching them dance in the school. So that was just my life after Japan. One year of having no formal, no stable job, just teaching and teaching and teaching dance until I realized after one year I'm so tired of it. You know, I want. I need a stable job, a future, I need... And then another friend of mine um, convinced me, like, why don't you try at Thailand and look for, you know, maybe you can find a job there, like teaching dance like that. So 2008, came, I came here, my first arrival, 2008. And I applied for Superstar Academy in Tonglo. <laughs> the biggest performing arts in Tonglong. So I had my audition there. And because I'm not Thai, so I cannot... The problem mine is the communication. But the owner, she's half Thai, she's American. Um, she, I got a job, but the problem is my communication. So she said, like, can you come back after six months or a year after you, you know, you learn how to speak Thai? But I didn't go there anymore because uh, I was looking for a work permit back then. So for a year of looking job here in Thailand was so difficult. I almost gave up and I was like, 
Oh, you think I can still get a job? So another friend of mine said, like, why don't you just teach English? But I was like, I'm not a teacher. It's so difficult for me. And I don't think they will accept lady boy as a teacher. So um, just try. But I have, so I tried. But the school, it's four hours from Bangkok. It's a government school. They don't accept lady boy. So I had this very difficult um, trust. Like, it's like a decision. It was so difficult for me. So I cut my hair like a man. And I had to hide my breast with this very tight garter. And I had to work like a man. So for one year of teaching English, I was pretending like a man. And it's really difficult for me. But I have no choice because I need, I need to live. You know, I need money. I need to support my family. And it was the only thing that makes me survive. I, even if my... I had to sacrifice my happiness as a lady boy, you know. So that was one year of... But I had no regrets of teaching students because I love... Even though I teach English, I was able to impart or share my talent to my students. Like, I was... I organized my own... Um, theater club in the school and a dance club. It was difficult because I was pretending at the same time it was, I was happy also because I was able to share my talent to them. And this school that you worked with at that time, how long were you there? You said you worked as a man for one yeah, year. Yeah, for a year. Then you transferred somewhere else? or Yes, after that, after my contract, because I, I had a contract for a year. So I, was, I started looking for a job online, still as a teacher, in, now in Bangkok. And then they hired me, this one language school hired me. I applied for a teacher there. But when I had my interview, they said that if I can do the accounting stuff, you know, because I have, I graduated banking like that and I had a lot of experience though I had no experience actually in working in the office just at OJT for six months in the bank in the Philippines but that was just uh, on the job training it's not really an actual you know job but I'm just so happy that this language school hired me and believed me so I worked there until now for five years I'm working there as the um, accounting accounts receivable and payable supervisor. So I'm really glad. And during that time, you were always wanted, I suppose, to get back into teaching dance, and now you're doing yeah. that with Zumba. Yeah, but I'm so lucky that this school they accept me for who I am, you know. So I can wear whatever I want now. So. I am free as a bird. <laughs> I don't have to hide anything. So I'm so happy that school really witnessed everything, you know, like the transition is, you know, everything. Because I started there without any operation. And now I had my breasts <laughs> and everything. So it was like, it helped me a lot. The school really, it helps a lot, you know. 
So let's go back in time a little bit. You're talking about living as a transgender woman. When did you first start to feel as though you wanted to live as a transgender ah, woman? Okay. Yeah, that's a very good question. As far as I could remember, I was six years old when I already have this kind of a different feeling that I'm attracted to a man. Six years old is, you know, you live, you live as a boy. But my heart was really like a woman. Like, I love to play with all the girls. And, you know, my family, they were like, you should play this toy because you are a boy, you're a man. So it started thinking, it, it makes me confused, started me confused. Like, why? Why do you have to play that? I'm. I'm a woman. <laughs> and, then, and then they keep telling me, no, you're not, you know. But, and yeah, and then I, I felt confused already. So six years old, that's where I know that I'm different from everybody. That's pretty early. Yeah. My heart was already a woman. I knew it. Yeah, how did the people around you respond? Uh, did they support you, or how no, you said they asked you said you should no. be playing with this I toy? I grew up with all these bullies and discriminations, and and even my family was difficult for me. My mom, especially my dad, he was he was like trying to pretend that he was okay, but deep inside, I heard from the neighbors that my dad keeps crying, like. Mm, couldn't accept the truth that I'm like this. Yeah, and then all my uncles, my relatives, they were the one who were, instead of the one who will support me, but they were the one who, you know, difficult. Yeah, and then my friends, they're all bullies. When I was in high school, I, I in elementary, it was difficult. So they knew, you made it apparent to them your feelings. They knew, or you were dressing as a girl. How, how did they... Oh, of course, that time, I mean, especially in my country, very strong Catholic, you know, country. So, no, I was, I, I have to wear like a man, of course, from six year old until I was in university, you know. And then my family, they keep telling me that you cannot get a decent job, you cannot go to heaven. <laughs> so, this stuff makes me confused. But part of my brain keeps telling me that be strong and prove to them that they're wrong. And part of my brain is like, well, that's life, you know, that's enjoy. And if they cannot accept, accept that's their problem. And, you know, so it's like to... I didn't know, like, I was really confused at that time. Well, anyway, I proved them wrong. <laughs> yeah, especially my, my grandmom, because she's a very, she's a teacher, you know. And she always, like, telling me, do this, you have to do this, you have, 
you have to be you have to act like a man like that you can't get a job you can't you can have your own family who will support you when you grow old you know how you can't reach your dreams like that and nobody support me you know even my talent even my dance even things that i want you know money nothing nobody but i don't know why it's just part of my brain keeps telling me that ah you, you can do it you can do it you can do it but yet you still wanted to prove to them and and once you did succeed you still supported them of course yeah i mean no regrets i know they're not perfect family but they're still there you know if they see me if that i'm successful with what i'm doing they're, they're there they i I've never heard them telling me that oh good luck or we're very proud of you those words that I really want to hear from a family but but I know deep in their hearts I know they're very proud of me even and, to this day you don't hear that support no never never heard you know but you just have to be open minded that not all people are you know but I know deep in their heart in their mind they're very proud of me Do you still communicate with them often? Yeah, of course, but not every day, you know, only when they need something. But I understand that, you know, my family they need help from me, so I'm here for them. Yeah. Do they ever come to visit you in Thailand? Yeah. Um that was the the biggest um fulfillment I've done, you know, in my life. Um I when i had the first time that i got my work permit in thailand um i decided to it was like a gift for myself and for my family so i was able to save money and invited them to come here pay for the ticket of course <laughs> so my mom my dad my sister the other sister and her kids So all of them that were the best gift that I had for my family and for myself. So that was 2010 when they came here. So very big fulfillment in my life. Yeah. So once you went through university, moved to Manila, that was when you could really start to live your life as you chose. Yes, it was difficult. So I was, you know, I was living like a boy with my hair bald skinny head when i went to manila and then when i got this job in a ballet school and most of them were girls i was like so jealous and envy with their hair with their breasts and everything and i was like i want to be like them you know because i want to be a complete woman because my heart is I I I already have the feeling of like a woman so why not physically I can change also so one student of mine she said like ah you why didn't you start taking hormones it was late for me to take hormones i was 22 years old you know well nowadays they high school lady boys they already take hormones in they were 15 years old but that time was difficult it's so expensive 
can't afford to buy hormones. So I was 22 when I started taking hormones. So in Manila, I that's where I started to spread my wings <laughs> and touch the sky. <laughs> so I started taking hormones and grow up my you know my hair, grow my grow my hair, and then you know, change everything the way I dress up and yeah. Then when you started settling into Thailand is when you went through more transition and yes, more transition, especially when I, you know, I got already my my stable job and the salary that really can afford to buy and do the surgeries and everything. So I'm just just so happy. Yeah. So through all of this, it sounds like you had a pretty tough upbringing, mm-hmm. but you persevered. Yes. You succeeded. Uh-huh. And you feel like you're in a pretty good place right now in your life? Yes. That's great. And through all of this, have you had any romance in your life? Oh, my God. That's funny question. <laughs> of course I had. When I was in Manila, that was, that was really... It was my first, maybe late... <laughs> I was a late bloomer because all I know back then was to support myself and my family and how to get a job because the only thing that always in my mind that time is just to prove them wrong. That's it. That's all that I know that I keep looking for a job and a decent job like that. Until I found this a guy, it was just like, just a text made for a year. Texting, messaging. Just text mate because there was no back, no, I didn't, I didn't know how to use computer. I think there was no computer that time, 2000, 2001. So it was just texting for one year of texting, four months of pretending that I'm a woman. And then I told him the truth and he was get angry, but he accepted me for, but for one year of for one year of texting, I was also funny because I was still a boy, like, like physically. And then he wanted to meet me, but I was like, no, because that was also the time of like taking hormones and, you know, like also one year of transitioning and change until physically I've changed. And that was the first time I met him. So I got a long hair, a small breast, and, you know, changes like that. And then we met one day, and then another one year of texting. After one year of texting, he decided to live with me. So I said, like, if it's okay with me, if we live together like that. So he was my first man, you know, that I really fell in love since. Yeah, for a year. No, for two years and a half, we lived together. And he met my brother, you know. And then, yeah. It was, it was the beautiful years that I had with, with him. Yeah. And then, then we broke up because... I had a lot of dreams that time, you know. So we didn't we didn't finish the relationship because we had 
differences, but we finished because it was my decision, and he supported my decision. That's good. Yeah, so I said, I want to go somewhere, and I still have a lot of dreams in my life. And I said, okay. So we split up, and from that time, from when I came here 2008, I was single until now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you've been busy working, I think. Yeah, I mean, I dated. I had a relationship with a. I don't know. I cannot say it's a it's a serious relationship. Yeah, I cannot. I I didn't know. Maybe because I had no time. I can't give the the time they're looking <laughs> difficult. Well, I'm sure once people hear this podcast, you'll have a lot of offers coming your way. Wow! <laughs> I really hope. I don't know. Maybe it's time for me not. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, know. you're successful, good-looking. Why wouldn't they want to? Right? It's not about that. It's about the time that you can give to them, and that's what I'm afraid of. That I, I cannot give that time. You know, when I my first relationship when I was here when. My first relationship when I came here in Bangkok, he was our IT manager in Bangkok. First relationship in Bangkok, because that time I was in the Philippines, so I came here. But it wasn't really a good relationship, so I cannot consider it as a good romance or whatever. Yeah, just for the sake that I want someone, you know. But after that, 2012 until now. Mm, I'm happy, you know, living alone and doing my Zumba. And through all throughout your life, you've had so many challenges. Have you ever looked up to somebody? Have you had a role model at all oh, in your yeah. life? Yeah. If we talk about first, if we talk about a Zumba thing that I'm doing right now, I have, I have this um, a role model as maybe I can consider her like that. You know the one who convinced me. You know she really taught me how to be, you know, very humble, and you know, in spite of, she keeps telling me it's you're teaching Zumba, not you want to become famous. You're teaching Zumba because you want to share and you want to to you know to share your your talents, you to share and teach students. Not for you, but for them. This is you're doing this not for yourself to become famous. You're doing this for for your students, for the people who wants to learn how to dance, who wants to you know enjoy Zumba. So that 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 lady, her name is Beatrice. <laughs> she's she's South American, and she's like she, yeah, she's like a a role model to me. And when it comes also with my life, how I become very strong person, um, there's no one particular that really like I look up. But I think the experience that I had. Mm, well, I think it makes you a role model. Is what it does. Yeah, I think you become a role model for others. Maybe have you talked to other girls or other. Uh, or want to transition? I know you spoke about having some lady boys in your class now. Perhaps 
Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, she's like, um, yeah, this one lady boy, she messaged me and she said that she wants to join, you know, my Zumba class and she heard about, you know, my, my, you know, that I'm a lady boy teacher. And then she joined my class one time. And she was so grateful, and and somehow she keeps communicating and and message me like she wants to study more, and and she said that she wants to tell her friends that you know, and maybe I can also organize an event with all the transactions about like a Zumba transactions in Bangkok. That would be great. Why not? Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you are doing quite well. I know we wanted to talk about your site, ZumbaMarshan.com. I'm going to link to that on our website and also to your YouTube and your Facebook and your Instagram and hopefully get you some more followers. And, uh, yeah, you'll have your own studio pretty soon. Well, um, I'm teaching different fitness stations right now. I don't have my own studio yet, but that's what I'm planning now. I already found a studio to rent, of course, under my own name. <laughs> I'm hoping for that. But for now, um, you can visit my website, zumbamartian.com, where you can find my different classes there. So, like Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, I'm teaching Zumba in Saturn, Soy 6. That is in Thai legend boxing. It's a Muay Thai fitness, but they have their Zumba fitness there. That is 7 to 8 in the evening. And then Tuesday and Friday, I'm teaching Zumba in Planchit area <laughs> from 6.15 to 7.15. And then Thursday... I'm teaching Zumba. It's a corporate Zumba in its Christian Dior company. So it's a private Zumba with all the the staff. It's good. Sometimes they gave me perfume. Free <laughs> perfume. Huh? Free perfume or make off from Christian Dior. <laughs> it's really good. And Sunday, Surasak. It's a Panyakan Yoga Studio. Yes, every... 11.45 to 12.45. So if you're close to that area, then message me. And then hopefully in 2017, that's what I'm planning to do now, to have my own studio that I'm hoping that it will be very successful. Well, I'm sure it will. You've uh, shown throughout your life, I think, that you can overcome any challenge. Yeah. And succeed. So I have no doubt you'll do that with your studio I as well. I hope so, yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me out of your busy schedule. And maybe next time we talk, who knows, maybe I'll be at the opening of your studio and we can do oh, a, wow. another interview yeah. then. Yeah, oh, sure. Sound good? Yeah, I'll invite you. <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right, Marshawn, well, thanks again. And yeah. any final words? Well, um, for those who are dreaming, like especially for those ladyboys or transsexual who has the same situation like me, I know it's 
really difficult for us to fight this world, you know, just to prove everybody that we are different and unique, you know. But just whatever dreams you have, whatever problems that you have, especially in your family, ignore those problems and just wish your dream. I know you can do it. No one can help us but only ourselves. Believe in yourself. Trust your instinct. Reach your dreams. Very well said. From a very wise, beautiful lady. <laughs> thank you. And thank you, Marsha. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Marshawn. All of us here at Ladyboy Life are rooting for her continued success in reaching her dreams, especially with her new career as a Zumba instructor. If you would like to follow Marshawn on her social pages, you can link to them through the show notes for this podcast episode. And you can always go to her website, ZumbaMarshawn.com. And let me take this opportunity to invite you to get in touch with us if you know anyone out there that you think might be a good guest for our podcast. Just send us an email to ladyboylife at gmail.com or message us on one of the Ladyboy Life social pages. So that will do it for this episode of the Ladyboy Life podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you will join me back here again real soon. Bye.